All right, and welcome back to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Russell. And on today's episode, we have Tory Washington. Now, Tory Washington is an amazing individual. He's done so much for the SoFlow Vegans, so much for the South Florida vegan movement. And in this episode, we talk about his origins. It's like, yeah, we actually talk about the Marvel Universe and how fitting that we go over his origin story, as well as his involvement with various festivals, his inspirations, his background in different types of lifestyles, Seventh-day Adventist, Rastafarianism, so much more. And um, you might have noticed he's done some work with Chris Helmsworth, who's also part of the Marvel Universe. We touch on this before he could even actually start talking about it. So at the end, you'll know, you'll kind of be able to plug the pieces together um, when he starts talking about a project that he, a top secret project he's working on. So, like I said, I was so excited to have this conversation, learn so much about him, and I'm excited that you get to learn about him as well. And if you like this podcast, be sure to go to our website, soflowvegans.com slash podcast, and you can find out how you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Music, um, Google Play, all the different locations. We highly encourage you to subscribe, leave a review, and help us continue to grow. Now, without further ado, here's Tori Washington. This is Tori Washington, and I'm here with Soul Flow Vegans, flowing like a river. And welcome back to the Soul Flow Vegans podcast, episode two, season two. Stepping it up. We even got a new table. That's right, a brand new table because we knew Tori Washington was going to come in here. <laughs> so we said we had to step up our game. We have to step up our table game. So yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. You've been a big supporter for SoFlow Vegans. You've attended and been a speaker at our events. Anytime you put the call out, you're there without hesitation. And that's just a, a, a small glimmer of the support you're providing to the South Florida vegan movement. And that's what we're all about, helping make South Florida a global hotspot for veganism. Yes. And you have your roots here as well as other places. True, so, true. So let's get jump right into that. So tell us your connection to South Florida. So prior to South Florida, I was born in Alabama. And I left Alabama, moved to Jamaica because my family heritage is Jamaican. My mom's, my mother's Jamaican. I was raised amongst... A, Many Jamaicans. So, lived in South Florida. After, well, excuse me, back up. Moved from Alabama to Jamaica. Lived in Jamaica, went to, high, went to school in Jamaica. Actually ended up taking a, something they call the common entrance exam, which is an exam that you take to kind of go to the next level of schooling. And this is almost very similar to college, but it's more so high school, middle school type of thing. And... We ended up leaving, me and my brother. So we left Jamaica, came back to the States, but we didn't go, we didn't return to Alabama. We actually moved to South Florida. Mm. So I came to South Florida, went to middle school in South Florida, high school in South Florida, Piper High School, Ooh. big up, big up. Bangles, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I ran track and field there. I played a little soccer here and there. But I left South Florida after I graduated high school and moved to Alabama back to Alabama, which is very ironic because I didn't think I would ever make it back to Alabama. But I went to Alabama for college. You know, we got my engineering degree with the Tuskegee University. 
and started working there as an engineer. And then I said, you know what? This is not my passion. Mm. I need to do something else. And for this entire time, I was working with people, training them physically just because it was something I enjoyed doing and people liked, saw my results from it and asked me to help them. So I started helping people just on the side. And then lo and behold, I said, you know what, let me take this up. Let me see how far I can go with this because it's something I, I have much more love for and I'm able to control my time and experience the sunlight. And then I said, you know what, let's go back to South Florida. Mm. And five years ago, here I am. And making that transition, well, there's a couple of transitions. Oh, of course. Jamaica to South Florida, Alabama to back. So what was that like coming, being an adult, coming back to South Florida? Did you notice anything different? I mean, did you see it in a different light now that you had that experience of college? What was that experience like for you? Well, honestly, being in South Florida when I was younger, you know, of course, you're a little oblivious to what goes on, what's going on. I didn't really know much as far as I wasn't, I wasn't, when I was in high school and middle school, you know, you have different experiences because you're younger. So in high school, South Florida became more of the party, mm-hmm. you know, especially for high school. My first year, my f- freshman year, my sophomore year, my junior year, I was really kind of more introvert mm-hmm. or introverted into heavy metal. I was into heavy metal. I listened nice. to all the rock. I know every single rock band, heavy metal band, speed metal, dash, thrash metal, death metal. I was into all of that. And the scene was pretty big down here during that time. But I didn't attend any of the concerts because, as you know, in that time, most of the concerts housed a lot of skinheads. Mm. You know, so a brother going into a place where there's a whole bunch of skinheads, they have no other options but to, hey, we can beat up this black guy because, you know, he doesn't look like us. Especially when it's at heavy metal concerts, it's a lot of moshing going on. Mm-hmm. But so a mosh can then turn into a beatdown. Quick, quick punch in the correct, draw. <laughs> correct. So I didn't attend the I didn't get to attend the concerts. But I was also kind of, being that I was coming from Jamaica, uh, I had an accent now. Mm. I had more of an accent than I did before because now I was immersed into the culture. So middle school timing, I was actually kind of picked on a little bit just because of my accent Mm. and, you know, just for being, for my skin color. So it was a little different the way I looked at South Florida then because I didn't really even pick up on the whole aspect of Florida, South Florida being so diverse because I didn't experience that. I experienced, I went to a lot of reggae clubs in high school, party with uh, mostly dance hall, reggae type of events. So I was always around my people them, you know, my yard yeah. people them. And so I didn't that was my experience. Then I went to college. It was a whole transition. You know, I went to college at a black a historically black college, Tuskegee University. Mm-hmm. And that was different because I wasn't used to learning more about my history and my culture. Of course, delving into the Rastafarian culture prior to going there mm-hmm. kind of helped me more, but I learned a lot more about our history my history, African history, Kemet history, you know, and that's deeper than, you know, we need to go here unless oh. you want to. <laughs> but I did that, worked in the corporate America world, saw that it was, man, it was tiring, you know, to 
have someone sit there over you and telling you, hey, you only have 30 minutes for lunch, 15 minutes for break. What are you doing? I need this. I need this. I need that. Day in and day out, it was like that grind, that hustle, but not for you, mm-hmm. for someone else, just so you can get a check at the end of the week mm-hmm. to make sure you're paying your bills. So then to go from there to move back to South Florida to see the difference because South Florida has changed a lot in that a lot more, I'm, I'm noticing the traffic is different because I drive more now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, dro- I drove a lot then, but now I'm seeing a lot more of the diversity. I actually came here with the direction to help vegan the vegan movement grow. Mm. So it's interesting that I'm here at the South Florida Vegans because that was one of my uh, agenda, items on my agenda, was mm. to come to South Florida to further expand the vegan movement, to to help South Florida become one of the meccas when it comes to the plant-based vegan lifestyle. Because we know, everybody thinks about the mecca, we think of LA yeah, right, or New York. And I even hear about Portland. You know, those areas have a lot of exposure, a lot of things for people of the plant-based vegan lifestyle versus South Florida. You know, you don't think about that like that. You think of South Florida as a vacation. Yeah. Come away, go to the beach, and just hang out. But now it's starting to grow. We're seeing more and more restaurants pop up. And the thing is to be able to support those and to support that movement so that we can keep these things going. And to touch on that, as far as South Florida being a Mecca, it's if you look at it, even just based off the numbers, the amount of options that we have, and we're talking about South Florida as a region, not Miami, Fort Lauderdale, or Palm Beach. You know, there's a lot of options out there, but what the things that I've seen is really with the culture of South Florida. And it's not even just in the vegan community. You also have it in any community, you name it, because the foundation is where we live. We're such a transient community that for the sheer nature, people come here for vacation or you have snowbirds. People aren't planting their roots. And you see that show up in a lot of different areas. You see that with our sports teams where you'll have a stadium full if they're on track to winning the championship. Yes. You know, and, you know, you don't see it like, let's take Boston, for example, where they will religiously go to games. Right. Even if they're losing. You know, so it's like being able to create that culture and create that loyalty to the region is what is going to be that next step for South Florida. That's true. Because you have so many talent. And that's why I have you on. That's why I have so many people I'm bringing onto this podcast, because we have talented individuals that get to stay and plant their roots here in South Florida. And by showcasing that, it's going to create a huge shift in us being able to build a community that I know that we can build. Yes, and we can. Yeah. So for those of you who may not be watching this and you're just listening, I want us to go a little bit into, you know, who's Tori Washington? You know, why why is Tori Washington's name coming up in the vegan community? Um, give us a little bit about a little bit about your background into being part of the vegan community. So <clears throat> Very interesting story. You know, it's interesting that you asked me that question because I was talking to one of my clients today and we were discussing, you know, things about my background, my history, because a lot of times I held back on things just to kind of keep giving people a little bit here and a little bit there because 
my background is can be almost considered radical. Mm. Where people would look at it like, ooh, I did not know that about Tori. That's very interesting. So I was raised Seventh-day Adventist. And Seventh-day Adventist is a religious belief where we they practice worship on Saturdays. And Saturday is the Sabbath. It starts from Friday at 6 p.m. or whenever the sun sets mm-hmm. to sunset Saturday night. And during this time, you're not supposed to work. You're only supposed to worship, go to church, you know. And typically, the mainstay of the nutrition intake for Seventh-day Adventists is supposedly vegetarian, mm. based on the biblical beliefs in the Bible, if you believe in that. So this all saying all that to say, my mother raised us strictly with that vegetarian lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so that led me down to this path of the label now we know as known as vegan. Because I took from from that point when I moved from Alabama to Jamaica, and you know, I learned a little bit more about the Rastafarian culture, and then I moved back to South Florida even more so because a lot of my bridging, a lot of my friends were Jamaican, and we started hanging together in high school, and we started to grow our locks. Mm. More so for fashion because, you know, we just want to be in the now you know the fashion was to grow little locks on the top have like a blowout of locks on the top and shaved around the sides but we started reading more reading more into rastafarian and one of our friends his dad was a rasta he didn't have his locks anymore but he was working within corporate america so at that time to have locks in certain countries was considered very evil Mm. you know it was to the point where they would shoot you on site just because rasta was considered the, the, the type of person that will go against modern man, you know, because Rasta's whole history was not to be oppressed. We're lions. We don't bow down to nobody. Mm-hmm. Like, just because you say professionalism is clean cut, no hair, da-da-da, whose definition of professionalism is it? You know, you, you've come up with your own definition. We don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. So... Understanding that whole history, studying it, and seeing that Rasta lived more of an Aital lifestyle. You know, Aital is natural, mm-hmm. meaning Aital is vital. We live, we eat from the earth, especially from the the Bobo Shanti Rasta that lived in the in the bushes in Jamaica. But a lot of what I started to find out is, although you have the differences with certain Rastas, but you had some Rastas who still ate fish, still ate chicken, and even though they still consider themselves Rasta, they're still Hail Emperor Selassie and you know, Marcus Garvey and mm-hmm. all them things. But I didn't want to, when I really found out that what Aital truly was, to see that Rastas weren't actually following that mm-hmm. made me feel more of a hypocrite to actually call myself a Rasta, but still you know, partake in items that may contain eggs in it or butter or what have you. Mm-hmm. There's still some type, some form of not eating from the earth. And so in 1998, I decided to say, you know what? I'm just going to cut all of that out. And now at that time, I didn't know what this vegan thing was, even though vegan had been around since the 70s mm-hmm. or even probably earlier than that. In this country, in this day and age, everything has a label. And so in order for you to be lumped into a group, we have to label it. 
so that way we can understand it more by giving you a label and then put a definition to it. Mm-hmm. And I feel that that's a asinine way to do things, to always put a definition to a group of people so that you can separate them from everyone else when in this time we should be wanting to come together. Yeah. So I never forget the first time I really truly got tested for being vegan. I was in Atlanta at a veg fest and I was standing at a food truck about to get some food. It's cold. You know, this is Georgia, Alabama, it's north. It was in September, November timing. Mm. You know, so it's cold. It can snow there. It can get ice in Georgia. So I had on my Tim's, nice jacket, whatever. And this lady next standing next to me in line says, are your shoes vegan? Mm -hmm. And I was so confused. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to eat my shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, that's to me, I was like, what? Are my shoes vegan? I'm not eating them. Because to me, I looked at vegan or that lifestyle as what you took in, Mm -hmm. what you consumed for your bodily performance. So from that point on, I was just, it was just a learning process for me, learning more about the lifestyle, understanding it, and taking out the parts that I didn't really agree with, which was people considering it a diet. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, man, what, what's your diet? Because to me, I look at diet as, even if you just break down the word and say it in its way it is, the D-I-E-T, it sounds like you're saying, I'm ready to die. Mm. So, but diet, I'm not ready to die yet. I'm ready to just continue to thrive and live. You know what I mean? So that's where I became part of the vegan movement. But my, I guess, exposure came Mm -hmm. when I started to compete. Because I had always been into bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And that came up because the whole transition from Florida, from Alabama to Jamaica... Now, mind you, I'm a country person. I say country because I'm coming from Alabama, so the accent is real country. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that at the time. I'm young. I moved to Jamaica. I go to school in Jamaica. What are the kids going to do? They're going to pick on you <laughs> yeah. because they're thinking, why does he sound like that? What's wrong with him? And so me and my brother got picked on pretty often. Mm-hmm. And we internalized it because there was no way to externally release that frustration. Mm-hmm. So I internalized this anger, and actually, it made me quite angry. And I remember a lot of times breaking pencils, putting my head under my desk, doing things outside of school just to kind of release that frustration. And I think that's what took me into lifting weights. I started mm-hmm. doing push-ups and doing different things in my grandfather's backyard because I wanted to look like Wolverine and Superman, in a sense, and have that strength and that power. And if you think about it, look at the two. Superman is just very powerful. Mm-hmm. very strong, but his personality is one of calm, mm-hmm. whereas Wolverine yeah. is a flip, flip opposite. So I'm kind of both of them in a sense because I looked at Wolverine that don't make me mad. I will. like. There's been times where I had to just stop myself because I know if I continued on with something out of anger, mm-hmm. I would black out, and I don't know what would happen to that person or that individual that caused that anger. So... The bodybuilding came up, and I started to really get into lifting. And I moved to, when we moved back to South Florida, I remember my mother bought me a bench and a dumbbell. Mm -hmm. And I started to work out with that. And I started working with a friend in middle school, and then he decided to 
truly take it on to that level of competing. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, but I was thinking, we're like 16, competing. What are you talking about? I didn't realize that, you know, there's teen competitions. And to this day, I don't know whatever happened to Richard Tirico. (laughs) I wonder, I don't even know if he still competes or what he's doing. But that change moved me into, you know, once I started to, I kept working out in high school reading magazines, studying about bodybuilding, how it worked, and how to build your physique. And what made me learn how to build that physique was I started watching Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Mm. Got into Commando and The Predator and saw that how he built his physique was off of bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. So I started reading more of his stuff. And honestly, I was reading this stuff and not really saying, okay, I need to eat this amount of protein. It was just kind of like, just eat what you need to do in order to build build muscle. Because, you know, it wasn't so scientifically focused back then. Mm-hmm. And graduated high school, still working out, went to college, working out. And about 2008, one of my friends from South Florida, contact, we were talking, and he contacted me and said, hey, one of our boys, is he's competing now. And I was truly surprised. This mm-hmm. surprised me because I never thought he would actually compete. Mm-hmm. So he ended up, moving to Atlanta, and he had a competition in Atlanta. And I was in Alabama, so it was about an hour and a half drive. Mm-hmm. I decided to attend his competition. And Sean, seeing him on stage, and then he won a pro card that day after he had been competing for a long time. Mm-hmm. He got off stage, and I saw his body, dude. Like, I was in the... We were all in his room. He, was, he took a shower. He came out. I said, damn. <laughs> he looks like a superhero chiseled abs everything was in you know in place and i said okay i want to compete wow that moment gave me that decision to say you know what i just want to compete i want i don't want to end my life saying i wish i had done it Mm. because i think so many of us do things we don't do things in life and by the end of it we say man i wish i did this Mm -hmm. oh i wish i had done that i don't want i didn't want to end my life saying i wish i had Mm -hmm. and so i said to him I want to compete. And he said to me, you're vegan. I said, and? I didn't think it mattered because I thought I looked amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, I had muscle on me. I looked good for a guy that's, you know, just in the gym. Now I didn't know the whole, what it took in order to get on stage. That's why I asked him, Mm -hmm. you know, to help me. He said, "Um, well, this is what you're going to do. Tell me what you're eating. And when he saw what I was eating and how I looked, he Mm -hmm. was actually quite surprised because he said, how are you so lean but eating that? Mm-hmm. Because it was still, you know, being a college student, just bachelor in in the workforce, you, you're pretty much just getting stuff you can warm up. So I was getting vegan deli slices, vegan burritos, you know, eating tofu in a skillet, you know, doing things like that, just simple stuff just to kind of fill my stomach. So I can go work out, drink more. I wasn't drinking enough water. I was drinking water, but not that much. Because mm-hmm. I didn't really, I never drank anything else. I wasn't into drinking sodas, juices, and stuff of that nature. So once I did my first show, Sean, in 2009, I got third place. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was an accomplishment because I was on stage with about nine guys. And I said, damn, okay, this vegan just got third place out of all of these people. That was your first time. First time. Wow. And I asked the judges, I said, okay, how come I didn't get like second? Because when the first place guy 
walked into the bathroom, Sean, mm-hmm. we all knew he was first place. Mm-hmm. He walked in and we were like, is he going to be in my class? <laughs> I, I hope not. He looks taller than me because, you know, it was based off of height. And so I was thinking he wasn't going to be in my class, but he ended up in my class. Mm-hmm. And he ended up winning that division, that class that day. But the second place guy, I was kind of concerned. And I talked to the judge and the judge told me, because I wasn't flexing my legs long enough, like my conditioning wasn't there. Conditioning is how you look. And also you're conditioning with how long you can hold something mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time. I know if it's the same thing. So I had how to hold that pose. So I had to learn how to hold my poses for longer because the judges are constantly looking at everybody. And so if they look at someone, they look good for a second, and they come back to you and you're not, they mm-hmm. like think, oh, dang. Because I, I, mean, I could have just relaxed too much. And that's what he told me. He told me my, I wasn't standing on my legs, meaning I wasn't flexing my legs long enough to mm-hmm. showcase that I did look better. And I learned from that day, oh, I'm going to pose my ass off and I'll be ready for the next time. So that next time around, it was a different show six months later, but similar judges. I ended up winning my class, more guys, and I ended up winning the entire competition because the entire competition is won by the overall. Mm -hmm. The guy had to go up against, the guy of each class goes up against each other, Mm -hmm. and that person is the overall winner that wins out of all of those guys, and I was me. Oh, wow. And I got my first pro card that day, and I was like, okay. I think I found out what I like doing. And all because I saw someone else do it. Mm-hmm. And I said, I didn't want to end my life with, I wish I had. And from that point on, my friends, Sean, that weren't vegan or plant-based or anything, mm-hmm. said to me, Tori, we've never seen a guy that doesn't eat meat look like you. You need to tell everybody. And so I didn't know how to do that. I was like, what are you talking about? So that's when I started the Facebook page. And then... Next thing I know, one of my photos went viral, and everybody's talking about, oh, look at this guy, look at this guy. And next thing you know, I'm speaking at places, and people are asking me to be in magazines and want to interview me. All now, I'm still an engineer. So it was kind of tough to juggle up all of that, Mm because I would travel sometimes to different different countries, different states. And meanwhile, I would travel, do the work I had to do as an engineer, and then other times I would go to these vegan restaurants, take some pictures, post it. And I think a lot of times they were looking at it like, he's using work time. Not really work time, but time away Mm -hmm. for his other stuff as well. So I noticed that my travel was decreasing. You know, I wasn't able to go to certain places sometimes. And I was like, hmm. But it also made me realize that I was sitting in a dungeon all the time. Mm -hmm. And when I would leave to just visit a supplier, I would see the sun and it would just... energized me so much. I said, man, Sean, I want to be able to see the sun whenever I want to, not because someone is sending me somewhere. Mm -hmm. I want to do it when I want to. Not, you know, I think that's how life is. I think life should be based on your terms, you Mm -hmm. know, and we almost give that up because of capitalism. We'll complain, but then capitalism. Mm -hmm. So, all these different things that we don't actually live our life till its fully, fullest extent out of false necessity, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So since that, I've just been competing, getting wins, getting pro cards in different organizations. And this whole thing of me being in sort of a limelight within the vegan community mm-hmm. was 
not print, print not designed by me. I didn't say, oh, that's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to get out there and be this famous vegan person. I'm going to increase my followers, buy followers. I'm going to do all of this stuff to make sure that I have a big name. That wasn't my goal. Mm -hmm. You know, I never expected this to happen. So the fact that this happened, if you think about it, how I started as slightly introverted, it took me a minute to kind of open up. Mm -hmm. I still kind of that person that I may not say something sometimes. It's because I'm processing. I like to read the room. I like to read. I read people. I study people. I look at their their mannerisms. I pay attention to facial expressions. You know, so though sometimes people may think that I'm standoffish at sometimes mm -hmm. at times, but that's not necessarily the case. I just like to make sure that there's no hidden agendas because you know there's a lot of hidden agendas when it comes to dealing with people because a lot of times people have things that they want to accomplish and you may be stepping a, yeah <laughs> a stepping stone for that so so yeah that's that's how we get where we are now so i hear authenticity i hear following your passion what was it for you that made you push forward with all of the obstacles that were ahead of you you know, you mentioned a couple of things about following your passion, even the, the story about being into rock music and having that barrier set up for you. I know there has to be some barriers that exist right now with what you're doing. What are some of those barriers that you've come across that you've either overcome or that you're still facing in terms of where you are right now? You know, it's interesting. When I had the whole heavy metal rock phase, even though I still love the music as well, that came about because, Sean, when I returned from Jamaica, living in the South Florida, I was actually not only outcasted because of my accent, also because of my skin tone. Mm. A lot of times, kids were... I remember precisely this young boy saying to me, hey, the girls like you, but you're black. Mm. You know, meaning... Yeah, they think you're cute, but your blackness kind of changes their the perception of whether or not they can talk to you. Mm -hmm. And so my brother and myself, we kind of internalized that to the point where okay, our skin tone was a problem. We we need to be we need to do things that will more so set us in a better direction. So we just started to kind of move towards wanting to be wanting to be Caucasian. Mm. So we started to do more Caucasian type things, you know. Felt more attracted to more ca the Caucasian looking woman. You know, we actually kind of lost in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that helped me was going to college. A historically black college actually set me to a point to understand that it's not about that. I need to learn. I learned more about myself, my history, and how we can impact the world. So moving past that barrier allowed me to grow and to become a person that wasn't so solely focused on one avenue. Because mm -hmm. I was going down, I started to, once I got there, I was changing my path and becoming more of a radical to a point where I would come back and people talk to me and say, you don't like white people anymore, do you? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? It was all in my mannerism and my the way I spoke. I think I spoke with this almost anti- 
everything type of mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember saying, man, back then, if I was growing up, I would probably been a Black Panther. Mm. That's just what I had became, came into at the time. So in life, we go through different schools of thought. You know, you're learning this, and then you're learning this, and then you're learning this. But I think what we are supposed to do is take from each. Mm. You know, whereas some tend to go one extreme and just stay there and stick to that all the way through. And I guess you can look at vegan as being an extreme. Mm -hmm. Some people look at that as being very extreme, and that's why my goal is to actually have vegan be just the way it is, Mm. not a label. You know, because I think before, prior to vegan being a label, people never talked about what type of food you ate. It was just, everybody just ate. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just the way we did. We just, we eat. We go out and eat. Now, you got all these different labels. I'm gluten this, this, that, raw this, that, this, blah, blah, blah. So, that was one barrier. And then the other barrier was getting past that aspect of being vegan, being a person of plant-based in this fitness world, mm. you know, of course, people are like, there's no way you can look like that and compete. And not only compete, you're winning, you're doing well. You're not, I'm, I've never played place within my career up to 2000 and say 16, 2017. I was always placing in the top four, mm. top three, you know, always doing well. So if you imagine that, once you get off stage, you got guys asking you, like, dude, mm-hmm. you don't eat any meat? Like, no, man, I don't. Man, I need to talk to you because mm-hmm. I'm so tired of eating all this meat all the time. If I can not eat meat and look like that, I definitely want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was me kind of understanding, like, oh, dang. You know, this, my, my way of life has, a, has an impact. You mm-hmm. know, people are asking questions and they're wanting to know more about what I do. So that had to, that allowed me to open up even more mm-hmm. and not be this person that goes into a room. Because I would go into a room, people are like, he don't say nothing. He don't say much, does he? But it's only because if I don't know you. Mm-hmm. And I'm, not, I'm still kind of that way. I'll get that message, hey, man, follow me. I don't know you. <laughs> you know, even if I've met you once and you may follow me and I don't follow you back, it's not, it's not personal. Mm-hmm. It's just because... I truly follow people that are uh, inspirational to me or I know you in a certain way mm-hmm. that, and then I also feel like if I have your number and you have mine, what the heck is Instagram then? That's just pictures. Mm-hmm. You can still call and text me. So that's, you're way more personable than that person on Instagram who's like, can you follow me? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was breaking a lot of different barriers for me to get to that point. And, you know, being an engineer... You leave engineering, most people think you're crazy mm. because, oh, you got a 401k, you got all this money coming in. How are you going to leave a safe job for mm. all of this out here? You don't know what's going to happen. But it, mm. that just shows you how people get so stuck into being comfortable. They may hate it, mm-hmm. but because I know at the end of the week I'm getting a check, I'm just going to stay here. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you can get out and challenge yourself, physically, mentally, and spiritually, you grow. You know, I don't think you're going to sit there and grow. I mean, some people do. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. There's some people who enjoy sitting, doing what they're supposed to yeah. be doing, what they're doing. And I don't knock that. But those people that sit there and complain about it, man, you need to make a move. And I've had knew so many people that complain. And of course, 
even them seeing me now, like, dang, Tori's living his life. And then there's others like, yeah, he going to be back asking <laughs> for waiting. that job. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, So, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad as you're saying that, I was, I was like starting to bubble up because I've gone through a similar journey where I had a safe job. I had a 401k, worked for the largest employer in Broward County. I was set. And I felt when I was in my cubicle, when I was inside of that building, I felt like a prisoner. And, you know, when I decided to make that jump and just work for myself full time, the freedom of being able to decide when you want to wake up, decide who you want to work with, knowing that you have no ceiling to how much, Mm -hmm. not to say that you're going to flip the switch and and have exactly the life that you of course, envision. Of course. Then you know there's definitely a doingness to it, but knowing that you have no limitation to what you can create as long as you put the work in, it's hard to think of living life another way. And it's something that you get to experience and it's hard. It's like the Grand Canyon. You can see as many pictures as you want, but until you're physically there right. looking over that chasm, it's right. like Wow. So to hear you kind of just say it, you know, it's just like it brought something up in me. So I just wanted to share that. That's good, man. I mean, dude, when it happened, of course, it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's really scary. You're thinking, oh, crap. All right, here we go. But the door's open, man. Yeah. I got here and immediately I was one of my friends, not even friends, someone I knew, an associate I knew from high school was on Instagram and she was commenting on a photo of a guy that I knew. Mm-hmm. And I said, you don't know this dude? You know, because I didn't think she did. She said, yes, I do. I went to high school with him and I know him forever. And I was like, I looked it up. I said, Lisa? She's like, Tor? I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> we knew each other from high school. So we connected. I came here. She turned out she was like a raw champion powerlifter. Oh. You know, meaning, you know, she doesn't take any 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 drugs or what have you. She's doing all natural powerlifting and she was a powerhouse. She was a beast. And she's like real little. Mm-hmm. And she took me to a gym that she worked out at. And I went in there, worked out with her, and met one of the owners. And we talked for a while. The owner ended up having on a I had on a shirt that said Vega. And she that this owner, the owner, she was like, I love that protein shake. And I was like, oh wow. Mm-hmm. We need to have more. She's she was like, we need to have more vegan options in the gym. And that was, so we had a nice little conversation. Turns out two day, a couple of days later, Lisa contacted me that the gym owner wanted to talk to me. Mm. They said they would really like someone like me in the gym working with people because they don't have anybody like that. Mm-hmm. I had only been there a week. Mm. Only been in South Florida for a week. And I wasn't even here living. I came to visit for a little while to see what was going to happen before I came back. And the rest is history. That started that started a whole nother level. Next thing I know, Ooh. things just happened. I mean, it was it was almost as if once you left, once I, you leave, I'm, I was thinking to myself, why didn't I do this earlier? But of course, the timing. You mm-hmm. know, I think it was just proper timing. There was things I needed to learn in corporate America to make me that better person. People I needed to meet, you know, relationships I needed to build. And I think we look at it at the time that it's happening, not for what it is. Until we, in hindsight, can be like, damn, mm. okay, that had its purpose. I was supposed to do that in order to learn that. Even though you think about the future, you know, 
I've always had dreams of, because of my upbringing and wanting to be the superhero and this and that, the other, I had always had these desires to be able to buy what I want and, you know, just go where I want, travel where I want to. Because I love traveling, Sean. I love to meet people in different countries because I think we're so pigeonholed and so stagnant here that we just stay here. Mm -hmm. I like to go meet people in different countries and learn different cultures, speak their language and be able to talk to the people, not Mm -hmm. the the upper, higher uppers, but the people, you know. So I want that, what do you call it? I call it living in freedom every day. Mm-hmm. Living in freedom life is freedom of your own choice. You know, you're not, you don't make your decisions based on someone else's thoughts or ideas about you. You just can do, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us don't live in freedom every day because someone else makes the decisions for us, mm-hmm. whether it's financially or, any, or physically, you know? So I wanted to be able to be financially free and physically free to just go and come as I please. Mm-hmm. And I'm still working on that. Because, you know, there's things, everybody's not the same. I think people don't understand that people are different. Mm-hmm. So I may like automobiles and cars and things of that nature because I like that aspect because I'm an engineer. Mm-hmm. I have that, that technological background. I like cars. And, you know, there are things I want, like to just be able to say, oh, I want to buy that. Just to test it out and have it for a little while. Not to say that it's going to make me happy. Yeah. It's just that that desire we all have a different desire to do different things. And I want to be able to say, hey, I want to go to Tahiti tomorrow, you know, and things of that nature. But those are things you have to work for, you know. And now I have that aspect of what you just said where there's no ceiling. Mm-hmm. I can just go and do what I want to, just as long as I continue to work towards it, you know. So it is truly, man, one of those, this, that experience you get out and say, man, I wish I had done this before. But, you know, here we are, and I'm so grateful for this moment to continue to press on and press on and press on. And, you know, speaking of these moments and experiences, you've had a recent experience. You took part in a documentary. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, tell us a little bit about the documentary. You know, I think as a little kid, when you're watching movies and you watch these different, you're like, man, I want to be in a movie. Mm -hmm. And I was so elated when the director of the movie contacted me and said, hey, Tori, I want you to be in this documentary, this film that I'm doing. And I said, man, even though it was a last minute entry, because Mm -hmm. I think he looked at what he had and saw that he was missing one aspect. And that's where I came in. And the the irony of it all is putting me in, actually, he made me more of a person of interest in the movie than I think he expected it to be because... We just vibe that way. Mm-hmm. And once he saw my personality, he was like, man, you know, I think we need to know more about you in this movie. And it, and it helped because the movie was called From the Ground Up. Mm-hmm. And I look at it as we get everything from the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, look at this, this lifestyle. It's from the ground. You know, we come, I don't even know if we say we come from the ground. In a sense, we can. Mm-hmm. But we also go back to the ground. You know, and then the ground is where we release all the nutrients with our body to feed the rest of the earth. So to be part of that film from the ground up was a great experience. And I'm the only part I can look at is I wish it had much more exposure mm-hmm. because it's a lot of athletes from different backgrounds showcasing how they were able to succeed and perform at elite levels, fueling their bodies with only plants, fruits mm-hmm. and veggies. And 
you know, in this day and age, people feel that as an athlete, you have to eat animal flesh. Mm -hmm. And what we're showcasing in this documentary is that that's not true. We're showing you definitive, you know, reasons where that's not the case. We got athletes here who are come from different backgrounds. And myself, being a bodybuilder, competing, coaching others to compete, and being vegan for over 20 years, mm -hmm. you know, that's a statement because people think, oh, man, now they, they were vegan for two years and they've been eating meat this whole time. Of course they built that muscle. Now they're just maintaining it. Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity, I got the opportunity to show you, okay, I'm doing it from scratch, and here you go, you know, mm -hmm. without any drugs and supplements weren't really part of my lifestyle until recently, mm -hmm. you know, because we didn't, I didn't think about those things. I didn't think, I thought that was all unnatural. Like, I don't need that stuff. Mm -hmm. What do I need that stuff for? I just like to eat. I don't want to drink it. I want to eat it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, that's interesting. So, you saying you are now, supplements are now a part of your and life. And only a small portion. And I say that because every good coach has a coach. You know what I mean by that? Mm -hmm. I had always coached myself and coached others. Then I said, you know what, let me hire a coach because it takes the guesswork out of it. And it's also helpful to have someone's else, someone else's eyes to look at you because I look and be like, oh, I need to be extra cut there. That's when I know I'm ready. And then everybody else is like, dude, you're super ripped. What are you talking about? So to have that coach, and that coach suggested a higher protein intake, mm -hmm. which to me was different than what I'm doing because I never did that. So I didn't need to take any supplements. So I only supplement protein. And he actually you know, suggested BCAs. And that's it. So it was those things that were different for me because mm -hmm. that's not something I was typically doing. So in the last eight months, that's what I have been giving those a go. And and it's also to kind of put out there that I'm not, not knocking or going against people who do supplement mm -hmm. because everything has its place. I'm not here to define how you should be actually living. I'm only here to set an example of my life and whether or not you want to learn more about what I do. You just ask me the question. And so, I and I think that's an important distinction, the distinction between taking a position on something and taking a stand for something. And for me, I choose to take a stand on, you know, where I am currently in my life and have compassion for where you are. Correct. And, um, and, that's, and that's, I'm glad you brought up that distinction. And what I want to do and take this opportunity is to tap into your brain. So this is the time where I open it up and start ding, ding, ding. Because I know a lot of people who want to jump into bodybuilding in the vegan community. So what's a good place for them to start? A good place to start would be building a foundation. And what I mean by that is learning the biomechanics in the proper and most efficient way to do a movement. I think a lot of times people just want to just start. And it's cool. You definitely want to start because you can't finish unless you start mm -hmm. and so that's why one of the things i created which shameless plug on my website toriwashington.com i have a ebook called primer and within this ebook it's primer because if you think about a lawnmower you got to prime it before mm -hmm. it's ready so you primer oh, oh. so yeah exactly <laughs> i was doing the pull up with the push. <laughs> you push the so we, you prime it and this was all designed for the beginner advanced or intermediate as well, men and women, to 
found build a foundation and the foundational exercises are like your squats, your deadlifts, your pull-ups, your bench press. Those multi-joint compound movements mm-hmm. are the beginnings of bodybuilding. And then of course you're going to get into more of the aesthetics or the sculpting where you're taking in more isolating the bicep, isolating the tricep. So just starting and also looking at what you're eating in the sense of not what, how much. Mm. Because most of the times when people turn from a carnivorous lifestyle to more of a plant-based lifestyle, mm-hmm. they don't eat enough because they automatically assume that, okay, I just eat a big salad or eat this, I'm good. But their calories still have to increase because now you're eating food with lower caloric density, mm-hmm. lots of nutrients and minerals, but you need to increase the density, the, the caloric density to match what you just came from. Mm-hmm. But the other flip side of that is they tend to start taking in more fiber than they're used to too. And so when they're taking in more fiber than they're used to, their body's response is to bloat. Mm. So they have to be able to see, okay, which certain foods have a lower fiber content, but enough caloric density. So there can make it seem complicated, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's quite simple. A lot of times the mind automatically complicates things because it's different from what you're currently doing. Mm -hmm. So I would say start, start with foundation. Start with making sure you're getting enough food in, drinking enough water. Water is the one of the most important things you can consume as a human being. You know, just like the earth, we're 70 to 100% of water. Mm-hmm. So we need to make sure that we are staying well hydrated. And it doesn't have to be a specific water. I think people are, you know, now we have these different labels. Oh, I got this new one. Reverse osmosis. Yeah, this one is perfect for you. This one, with this one, you're going to feel so much better. You're going to be rejuvenated. Life will come back to you. Amen. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, those are my beginnings. That's, and I think it's, keep it simple. You know, a lot of times we want to, we want to watch that YouTube video. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do that. You know, no, you know, there's a, progress you got to take steps and to get into that next level and the more you the better you do that the better you can understand your body because there's we all have imbalances from our daily activity you know we may be sitting often driving often and all these things can in turn cause muscles to be strong stronger some places and weaker in others so this imbalance the body compensates by creating another imbalance just to kind of even things out so it takes a lot to get into that's why you want to progress slowly and what if someone wants to, and I was limited to two more questions Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in terms of that. Um, if somebody wants to lean out, you know, maybe, maybe they are overweight and they, in their mind, they're like, okay, before I even start thinking about bodybuilding, I know I have to tone up, I have to lean out. What would you recommend for that? Or is it at, is, do they even need to do that? Is there a way to do both? Yes. Yeah, so I, I actually, it was interesting is that there was a gentleman I met in North Carolina who said that you shouldn't do both together. It should be, they need to lose weight first. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, because I'm not a doctor, that you can do both or you should do both because you want to maintain muscle. You don't want to just have flabby skin and, and atrophied muscle from doing just a whole bunch of cardio. So I would, I would suggest someone that wants to lose a lot of weight to start slowly by walking. You know, taking that first step, walking, increasing that water intake. Because when you increase your water intake, you'll find it ironic. If you're not drinking enough water, you start to increase it, you lose weight. Because your body's retaining a lot of fluid because it's under the assumption that you're not getting enough. So it's going to hold it for your bodily functions. Mm-hmm. 
So when you drink more, your body functions functions better, and your body doesn't retain as much water. Then with the walking, light exercising, you know, someone who's very overweight, certain exercises will be kind of dangerous to perform because their joints may not be able to handle it, mm. you know, especially if you're doing certain squats or things of that nature. So they have to take their time. And key note why you hire someone to help you there because I think we're a lot of times afraid of judgment, of how we look to someone else. And I think if we can get over that, that aspect of caring what other people think of us, a lot more people would be in a lot better positions. Mm. Okay. All right. So let's close it up on this note. What's going on with you right now? Like, what are some exciting things that you can talk about that is happening in the world of Tory Washington that people should be aware of? Well, oh man. So <laughs> currently, I am part of a panel that has been speaking across the world. We started in London and we've been doing a lot of different states within the, the United States of America and, and Canada and what have you. And that's with uh, with three other gentlemen, Johnny Juicer, mm. John Badass Vegan, and Doms Thompson. The, the beautiful thing about us coming together is that we're all different. We all have different backgrounds, different upbringings, different reasons for being a part of this community and this lifestyle. And we all have been vegan plant-based at a different timing as well, like a similar length of time. So we're currently working on going to different places and just spreading more compassion and awareness that way. I'm also, so far, every year I've been a part of the Tulum Veg Fest, which is in Tulum, Mexico, mm-hmm. and working with there, just speaking speaking there, sharing my story, my journey, expressing my way of how I got to where I am currently. Mm-hmm. Also working on a project with... Uh, someone I can't really talk about, but that's it's so huge that it actually caused me to... Sometimes, Sean, I think we also self-sabotage ourselves. Mm. Like, I think even because I look at him like, man, how is this happening to me? Like, almost as if, what did I do to deserve to have this type of mm. gift being given to me? And I know sometimes we all make mistakes. And so you think about your mistakes... And your past sometimes, and you wonder, okay, maybe I am deserving. You know, there's things that I have to accomplish, things I can share. You know, so those are bigger projects. And I'm, I'm looking at possibly writing a book. Mm. I actually didn't want to write a book. I was thinking, nobody reads books anymore. <laughs> but I feel that it's necessary. You know, mm. it's something that I can get out there as well. And I have my online coaching that I still do. I love that in a sense that when you can work with someone 12 hours away and help them get on stage and look amazing Mm -hmm. or just look amazing throughout the day for themselves. Because at the end of the day, like I said, I'm an engineer. My goal is to disassemble your body and reassemble it the way you want it to be. And that's kind of like that engineering. We reverse engineer something Mm -hmm. to find out how it works properly and make a better one. And so it's the same thing I do with people, you know, with their physique. I break them down and put them back together how they want to be. So and there's a lot of the things that I have my mind on. I just have to figure out how or who I'm going to work with in order to make that happen. 
you know, with the Apparel Line Rethink Protein, you know, we have started an affiliate program mm. where people can go on and, you know, earn a, earn a little extra money, you know, being an affiliate for Rethink Protein. And that's also re- RethinkProtein.com or ToriWashington.com. My other ebook, I'm supposed to be coming out with more ebooks to follow up primer for sculpting, polishing, you know, to get more in depth about isolating muscle and designing muscle to look even more polished. So, yes, that's that's that for now. I mean, who knows what more can happen? Because, you know, as we continue to go on, someone contacts you about something new, mm. this and the other. And I'm looking forward to more being, more going on in South Florida, especially Broward County. Broward County needs more going on, man. We do. So we can do that together. Have you heard about um, Copper Branch? No. What is that? So Copper Branch is opening up in Fort Lauderdale. It's a, like maybe a two traffic lights down from Green Bar. It's a restaurant's first location in the United States of America. And it's similar. It's even hard to describe. It's like, it's next door to Chipotle. Think of it like this way. If Chipotle carried some of the items that you see in most of these vegan restaurants, and they serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they have like a bar for nighttime, that's what it is. Mm. It's, uh, they're opening up probably within the next two weeks. But um, it's definitely a place that you once once I know they're f- officially open, I'll definitely let you know about it. But it's it's gonna be it's gonna be huge for the United States of America, and it's in Fort Lauderdale. Nice, and and that's another thing. We have so many. We have things in the east. We need things west too. Mm. You know, up up in the west area, like University Drive and Pine Island, Oakland Park Boulevard, between those areas, Atlantic Boulevard commercial there's not much up there you know mm-hmm. we have griffin road you know you have clover mint then you got down on the east side you have green bar and it used to be sublime and all these other little stuff that have options around the corner you know the closest thing to me is a place called falafel bistro the mediterranean mm-hmm. the owner is vegan but it's not a vegan place, but there's a lot of vegan options. Mm-hmm. And that's in Coral Springs. So oh, I've heard of that. So yeah. Why do you mention that? Okay. So we need more of Coral Springs area, Sunrise. You know, because you know, a lot of times people come to this area, like there's nothing except for, you know, you just go to Whole Foods or you go, you know, whatever. So because people like to be in a social aspect, and I think that's where the restaurants can help, especially mm-hmm. with helping people see that plant-based vegan is not, nasty food Mm -hmm. well i want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast i've had a great time speaking with you learning about your experience i know we're going to see a lot more of you here in south florida and you know keep spreading the word you're you're an official ambassador of our area and you go across the world so you know letting them know that south florida is a global hot spot for veganism and they can if they want to do a restaurant you got some good locations west of university drive that's right you know some prime real estate so thank you so much and um you know best of luck to you and i hope for us to do more things in the future man i just want to say i'm grateful you know to be here and to have this opportunity because i think anytime anybody wants me to talk or speak on my story, my journey, I find it a pleasure because, you know, we all have a gift and we all have a story to share. And to be able to do that is something we should take pride in doing. And so I thank you very much for having me on here, man. And it's 
Much appreciated. So looking forward to more of this to come. And we thank you for listening. And I, I just want to stress that SoFlow Vegans is more than just a podcast. We're more than just a website. We are a community. And we're a community not just exclusive to people living in South Florida. South Florida is a guest is a destination. It's it's beautiful weather, beautiful people. And I highly encourage you to come down and connect with us. We have events all the time, so we, we really want to build this community past the borders of Broward, West Palm, and Miami-Dade. And this podcast is just one of the ways that we reach the entire global community. And one of the ways that you can support us, this is, I sound like Sally Struthers now, you can support us for just, no, but in all seriousness, leave a review. If you liked this episode, um, let the world know you liked it. If you didn't like it, don't say anything. <laughs> I'm just serious. No, but um, leave a review. However you listen to this podcast, if you listen to it from iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever Apple's calling it these days, leave a review, share it, let other people know. As the more people know about this podcast, the closer we get to our goal of helping making South Florida a global hotspot for veganism. And another cool thing that you can do if you actually want to be a part of this podcast is you can ask questions. So you can ask a question no matter what the question is. What we'll do is we'll reach out to past guests, future guests. We'll bring your question into interviews. We actually did that with a a podcast episode that's going to be coming out soon with Dr. Michael Clapper where we had people submit questions and we played it live through the podcast. So... You can do that by going to soflowvegans.com slash podcast, and there's a feature where you can leave a voicemail. And you can do it directly from your computer. You don't have to have any sophisticated software. You can do it from your phone. It's super simple. And it can even be a question for me, one, one of our team members, whatever. You know, we'll make sure that we get the answers for you. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And, um, oh, one last thing. One last thing. If you would like to see video of this interview, we will be posting the full video for our Patreon members, people who are on Patreon supporting us. And um, what's Patreon? Well, Patreon's like a crowdfunding um, platform, and you can get started for as little as $2 a month. Yes, $2 a month. I don't know what you can even buy nowadays for $2 a month. It's definitely not gas. Um, <laughs> you can get a gap. Oh, you can't even get a gallon. Anyways, you go to patreon.com slash vegans. So our next podcast will be coming out pretty soon. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Follow us on all the social channels, SoFloVegans. And until then, we will see you. I got to figure out how I'm going to close this. <laughs> well, we'll see you in the future. I like that.